everybody. Welcome back to Horror Hang Time. Are you feeling screamish? I know we are. I'm Emily. And I'm Joe. And tonight we're getting nostalgic with scary stories to tell in the dark. So I think you know a lot more about this one than I do because I didn't read those books. I, which I, you know what, is very surprising to me considering what a horror fan you are. Yeah. Well, I mean, I liked horror movies, but uh-huh. like the books, I just never, because I don't like to read. And. Like reading to me, like it has to catch my eye for me to want to read something. Yeah. So like whenever I read like horror stories or anything like that, I preferred like listening to it rather than reading it. Okay. So any horror story that I've ever heard, I've listened to it before reading it. Okay. Well, whatever works for you. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't know. I like, honestly, I didn't know, like I knew about the books, but I don't, I never knew any of the stories. So. So I never, never read them, but I knew they existed. I know what that's what counts. That's what this podcast is really about in essence. Making things just work for you. <laughs> you don't know what's going on. Or learning along the That's way. how I get through life. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, the movie is based off of a book series of short stories with the same name. Uh, the three books came out in the 80s and early 90s and are heavily based around folklore and urban legends. Uh, the author, Alvin Schwartz, spent more than a year on each book, you know, with writing and research and all that. Um, as popular as the books are, many parents, including my own, uh, find them inappropriate for children, which I kind of agree with as an parent myself. But whatever, whatever <laughs> works for you and your family. Um, the artist Stephen Gamble is behind the horrifying pictures that honestly might be more terrifying than the stories. Are you familiar with those? Oh, uh, which ones? The pictures. I only know of one. Oh, okay. Because like, because remember we were listening to them on YouTube. Yeah. And like some of them showed pictures, and then um, <clears throat> I saw the one of the pale lady, and it looked like exactly like in the movie. Uh-huh. And then, like I. I didn't know if it was like that's what that's what the actual artwork yeah. was, and then it really was. And I looked it up on on Google, and it was the actual because it got so close. I was like, "There's no way," but they recreated it in the movie really good. Honestly, that was one of you know the best parts of the movie was seeing the monsters come to life and being like, "Yeah, no, that's exactly it. You totally got that right." I love the pale lady. It was incredible. <laughs> I mean. Like, you know, you there's books, whatever. Then you see it on the screen and you're like, okay, yeah, you got the essence of it. Those monsters were ripped straight out of the books. I was like, oh my gosh, all we're missing is like the classic ink blots and, you know, all the, the creepy drips and stuff. Mm-hmm. Incredible. I mean, truly. I still right on the, the nose. Pa- the pale lady was my be- the favorite part. I know that's your bestie. <laughs> I would have gave her a hug. Oh, <laughs> all she's looking for is a friend. She she's like Larry. <laughs> it was funny to me because did you read the pale lady? Did we end up reading that one together? Um, I don't remember. I think we listened to it. Okay, but I was kind of like halfway listening to it and halfway doing something else. Yeah. <laughs> so because in the movie she's like, I mean, she's not, you know. A bad guy bad guy but she's not a good character necessarily right but you know in the story 
she ends up saving somebody. So it's just kind of interesting to see how. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll have to read that one. So. It was good. Um, so before we get into anything else, got to discuss the trigger warnings. This is just a few. Um, so there's mention of suicide. There's a couple of racial slurs, bullying, gaslighting. There's a car accident, um, abuse by a doctor and force imprisonment. I think the goriest one was like the abuse by the doctor. Yeah, this movie isn't, that really isn't very gory. There's not a lot of, uh, I mean, there, you know, there's points where it's like, well, that's unsettling, but there's not a lot of gore, which I think is kind of nice. It's supposed to just like, well, I guess it's supposed to give you like the ambiance of like fear. Uh huh. And it's supposed to show you like your true fears. At least that's what I read. And. I guess one of the characters was really afraid of spiders. <laughs> so, and then her, her story ended up being about spiders. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, so anyways, the movie opens up, um, Halloween 1968 in Mill Valley, Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, it's kind of a slow start getting into the movie it really was it kind of <laughs> you know sometimes i complain about scary stories opening up and within the first minute someone's being brutally murdered and it's like hi could i have a minute please <laughs> just could we please and this movie took like 20 some minutes to get into the action which is fine i'm not complaining but i feel like some of you horror movie buffs might so that's th- just my take I would get bored. I did get bored a little bit in the beginning. Yeah. But it had to build up the story. For sure. So. Um, so the teens of the story are getting ready for the night. Uh, the jocks are planning on going out and stealing candy. And the nerdy teens are planning, you know, their last big hurrah. Their last, you know, going trick-or-treating, dressing up with their friends. Uh, but first, they want to teach the leader of the jocks tommy a lesson so um you know they got a big old bag of poop <laughs> that yeah. they're gonna trick him into thinking it's candy so uh they're you know they're walking on the street they're talking and oh here comes his car and so hand comes out the window is gonna grab the bag of candy and zoink he's got it and then they open it up and they realize that it's poop. And so, you know, the car comes whipping back around. It's going to teach those teens a lesson. And then um, a little fiery bag of poop lands just right perfect on Tommy's lap. And it's just, I was like, <laughs> was oh, that fire. is so nasty. Uh, so, you know, he gets distracted. Obviously, anyone would. Can't fault him for that. And he goes crashing through somebody's fence. And then he just leaves his car there in somebody's front yard. Excuse me? And it's not like they don't know whose car it is. Right. That's pretty easy to figure out in a small town. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyways, the um, everybody goes running. And the nerdy kids, um, Augie, Chuck, and Stella, wind up at a drive-in movie. Uh, what movie were they seeing, honey? They were watching um, Night of the Living Dead. Oh, that's right. Yep. I've actually seen that one, surprisingly. I like that movie. That was one of my favorites. 
Uh, so, you know, they're at the drive-in theater and they're trying to hide out and they just happen to find someone who's got their car door unlocked. So they pop in and they're like, hi, are these seats taken? Great. Thank you. <laughs> First of all, I'll be like, get out of my dang car, you freaks. Get No. But it's a movie. That's not how that works. Can you imagine if that happened in real life? Like I, today? I know I say this constantly. I would poop my pants. <laughs> <laughs> would be so pooped. I'm like, nope. But my car doors are always locked. At least I hope that they are. Um, Not today. Ah! <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time my car has gotten broken into, but whatever. Anyways, this isn't about me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it kind of is. Oh. <laughs> Just a little bit. So they're hiding out in this guy's car, and he's like, okay, this is awesome. Uh, then the jocks eventually find them and, you know, yell at them to get out of the car so they can beat them up. Um, and then Tommy calls the owner of the car, Ramon, a slur. Because of course he does. Of course he does. Uh, so thankfully, Tommy's forced to leave the drive-in. And the nerds and Ramon are like just sitting there being awkward. And they're like, Hey, you want to go to a haunted house with us? <laughs> and he's like, sure, strange teens. I've only met five minutes ago. That sounds great. So they all head on over. And um, Stella's telling him the story about the Bellows family who helped found Mill Valley. Uh, they were a very rich family, but one of their children, Sarah, was deeply troubled Um also possibly disabled and apparently told scary stories to local children who then died. Ugh. Uh, but before anybody in the town could stop her, it said that she hung herself. Legend states that if you're in the house and you ask Sarah to tell you a scary story, it's the last story you'll ever hear. So the teen split up. Because, of course, they do. Scooby-Doo or something. Oh, I love Scooby-Doo. I do, too. It's a great show. <laughs> great movies. Just terrific. I'm That's shaggy. the kind of monsters I'm okay with. I'm Shaggy. I like Shaggy. I know you do. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> uh, so the teens split up, and Ramon and Stella go down, and they find a hidden room behind a bookshelf, and they found, like, this little creepy dungeon looking room and Stella's like this must have been where Sarah lived and she's going through and sure enough she finds a book of Sarah's um, stories on a, a bookshelf um, so meanwhile Augie and Chuck are upstairs and Chuck hides in a closet to spook Augie uh, but when he opens up he sees a red room you know it was it was not at all the room that he left it was like new it was fresh it was clean and um there's an old lady sitting on the bed and there's a dog next to her it's like very very scary um so he like very like slowly closes the closet door and um next thing he knows he's like back in his time he's like oh that was not great we should probably be leaving <laughs> Did you notice the the little kids laughing in the background? Oh no! You didn't hear that. Uh no. <laughs> or were you too busy? I am your hard. Eyes? Of, I am hard <laughs> of hearing, so sometimes things just 
get past me. Yeah, if you listen really close, you can hear kids laughing. Oh, I don't like that. I'm glad I didn't hear that. <laughs> That's not good. Uh, so they head downstairs and they go into the basement where um, Ramon and Stella are and they're like, hey, we should probably bounce. And suddenly the door slams and they're closed in by Tommy. He's so, such a douchebag. Oh, I just wanted to punch him. I, I don't guy. like him. <laughs> no, he's not a good person. Like jocks, jocks are not the best people in the world. You know, that depends. Everyone's different, but he was definitely a douchebag. He thought he was so much better than everybody. Yeah. Uh, so Chuck's sister, Ruth, who is supposed to be on a date with Tommy, um, gets locked in the basement with them because she's like, okay, that's enough. Let them out. And he's like, I'll show you what's enough. Boof. And now she's trapped down there, which is very scary. Um, So they're stuck down there and they're trying to figure everything out. Eventually the door opens on its own. Stella takes Sarah's book. And when they get out, they see that Ramon's car has been absolutely mangled. Just slashed tires, broken Ah. windows. It's just, I'm like, that's a lot of damage. Um, And of course there's a slur written on it because why wouldn't there be? Um, And then, one of the nerds has the audacity to compare this literal hate crime with a time in fifth grade when Tommy farted in his milk carton and then made him drink it. (laughs) I'm sorry. Not the same. (laughs) Not the same, buddy, but you tried. That was hilarious. I just want to let you know that. No, that was not funny. funny. It was not funny. It's still funny. I was like, bro, are you serious right now? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like one uh so stella invites ramon to spend the night at her house um because she's like well you can't stay in your car here overnight that's creepy uh so they get back to her place and stella's settling in she uh shows him to the basement and she starts to read the book she's reading the story of harold as it's being written creepy and Tommy arrives home and his mother has him head out through the cornfield for some eggs. Um, as he's walking in, he beats up this scarecrow named Harold. And, you know, it's implied he does this fairly frequently. He did in the beginning of the movie. Um, but Honestly, what has that scarecrow done to him? Except being creepy looking. It's done nothing. <laughs> um, so he beats it up. And unfortunately for him, it's going to be the last time. Because on his way back, he starts to stalk him. He walks past, and he's like all, Harold. And then he's walking through the field, and, oh, there's Harold again. Well, that's weird. But he keeps on going, and then a little while later, oh, there's Harold again. That's not right starting to get a little freaked out and he keeps walking and then uh oh there's Harold Stan but where is he oh god Tommy he's right behind you you'd better run (laughs) and because it's a horror movie he trips and he falls and he sits there on the ground for what seems like an obnoxiously long amount of time just like it's like okay there's something behind you you might want to run you would have got up like 
right really i big. would have been <laughs> zooming been you'd have like, been gone out of my way <laughs> uh anyways he finds the pitchfork and he grabs it and he tries to stab harold doesn't work he doesn't have a central nervous system so he uh harold turns around and stabs tommy in the tummy with it and tommy starts spluttering and he's like trying to get back to his house and he starts coughing up hay and choking on it and eventually just kind of becomes the scarecrow that he had hated so much it was very creepy he deserved it i'm not saying anyone (laughs) deserves their horrible twisted fate but he was not a good person no i think he deserved it he deserved what he got uh so the next morning a cop is harassing ramon at a car shop all he's trying to do is get his car worked on and here comes this racist cop trying to make his life difficult um, Tommy's reported missing and Stella and Ramon go to check out his house and see if they can find anything. They see Harold dressed up in Tommy's clothes from the night before and Stella thinks that he's been transformed. You know, of course, I'm, everyone's <laughs> like, no, that's stupid. But yeah. what other explanation is there? But I also I also really hated how the cop automatically went to the guy who's like out of towner. Right. And who's different than everybody. And automatically assumes that he did it. Because you know he did. He assumed right away that he did it. Oh, for sure. Just because of he's not from there. So Mm -hmm. automatically somebody comes drifting into town and then somebody goes missing. Who do you blame? The guy who came from out of town. That's just wrong. Shouldn't do that. Anyway. That's my piece. <laughs> That's okay. You're allowed to have your thoughts and opinions. I'll stand behind you. Thank you. I um, really appreciate it. <laughs> anything for you, honey. Uh, so Stella tries to return Sarah's book, but it reappears later in her room. Yeah. Evil books. Uh, you know, it's so funny. When I was looking up like stuff about this uh, movie, I had seen... um. I don't want to see a bunch of people, but at least a couple people being like, uh, why did Stella not like assume that Ramon had brought it back to her? Wouldn't that make more sense than for her to just assume that the book like magically popped back in her room? And I was like, why would Ramon know that she had brought the book back in the first place? Right. Why would he know that? Yeah, because he didn't know. Why that. would you just know? That doesn't make sense. But you know, it's funny because I saw multiple people being like, uh, why would she just assume it magically appeared back in her room? What <laughs> other option is there, friend? Well, she didn't tell anybody that she was going to no. return the book. She's like, well, oh, this is creeping me out. I'm getting rid of it. <sighs> people. Some people, man. <sighs> uh, anyways, Ruth uh, finds a little bump on her face where she says that she was bitten by a spider. Foreshadowing. A new story is appearing in the book called the big toe. Uh, Stella and Ramon try to warn Augie, but like not to eat anything. Uh, but he doesn't really, he doesn't believe them. No. No. Which um, his mom and stepdad had gone out of town and just didn't leave him anything to eat, I guess, which is how you do things when you have a child. Um, and he's talking to his mom, complaining about how she left him really with no reason. And she's like, oh, you'll be fine. And he's looking in the fridge and he goes, oh, yeah, you know what? I guess you're right. I'll just eat this soup that someone made. And she's like, 
the what? He's like, the soup that's in the fridge. I'll eat that. And she's like, I didn't make that. He goes, well, someone did. It's fine. Click. Yeah, right. Buddy. Not to be sexist. This is the 60s in a small town. I can only assume that, you know, the mom does all all of, if not 99% of the cooking. Right. She's like, I'm sorry, there's what soup in the fridge? (laughs) And you're just going to go eat it anyways? Okay, sure, weirdo. As you do. As you do. And he doesn't even heat it up. He doesn't put it in a bowl. He just eats it right out of the pot. Right cold mystery stew right out of the pot. As you do. Gross. No manners. (laughs) So, Stella and Ramon are trying to talk to him and be like, hey, don't eat or drink anything. You're in the next story. And he's like, oh, I don't believe you. I'm just going to sit here and eat my cold stew. That's fine. That's how I choose to live my life. Um, so, you know, he doesn't really believe them. And he's just going about his business, ignoring them, being like, oh, quit joking with you guys. Um, it's like you can hear the frantic in their voices. Why would. Right. Like they're not fucking with you, man. They're telling you not to eat that mystery stew. You're choosing whatever. And why would you eat the mystery stew in the first mystery place? Mystery stew. That's just dumb. Like if you if you find a stew in the fridge, would you touch it? No. I wouldn't either. I probably would have threw you it out. You don't eat stew. Well, you know what I mean. I probably would have threw it out the window. Just straight out the window. Just straight out the window. Not in like the garbage or anything. I would have let the cats eat it. How many cats do we have in this neighborhood? I don't know, but you'll find out. How many new children are we going to have? <laughs> None. Oh, let me no have No more this. bush cats. Bush cats. <laughs> Look, too. We, we can't even handle the one we have now. Oh. <laughs> uh, but anyways, it's too late for Augie. Because guess who's coming? Big Toe Tom. Lady. The Big Toe Lady. How do you know it's a lady? Um, They had long hair. Maybe I'm just being presumptuous. <laughs> it was the 60s. It was the 60s. A lot of people had long hair. So Big Toe Friend. We'll call him a friend. Big Toe Friend. He just uh, wants his toe back. <laughs> just wants the toe back. They're like, hey, man, can I just get my toe back? And instead of being reasonable, being like, oh, here you go. That's After my he bad. just chewed on it. <laughs> chewed on a little bit. But, you know, if we get you back to the doctor, maybe they'll be able to put that on for you. Uh, so anyways... He's like freaking out. He's like, what do I do? And they're like, you have to get out of there. So but, instead of, you know, going for the door, he goes upstairs. Yeah, right. Instead of going smart. out of the house, he goes further into the house. Ridiculous. So and by the way, are... he doesn't say, actually say, <laughs> I just want my tail back, dude. <laughs> he doesn't actually I say really that. wish they would have, though. And like, give me my toe, dude. <laughs> that would have been a great great addition to this movie that would have see that would have freaked me out more than the actual movie oh really (laughs) (laughs) just because he would have been out of dialogue oh it would have been unexpected it would have been a plot twist plot twist uh so lights are flickering on and off and he runs upstairs and he hides under his bed because the window is stuck shut um and the corpse is approaching approaching his room asking for its toe he can hear it's coming and it's getting closer and Suddenly it's quiet. He thinks it might be gone. So he slowly tries to sneak out from under the bed and suddenly stops and he's dragged back under, never to be seen again. Yeah. 
And of course, just then, Stella and Ramon come in. <laughs> could you not have been like five seconds faster, you guys? Seriously. Well, could Augie have not just gone out of the house? <laughs> could he not have eaten random stew? Could he have just done things differently? I. He brought it on himself, honestly. I have comments. I. Augie, bud, what are you doing? <laughs> for someone, for someone who is so picky about what you're putting in your body, right? He was so critical about, oh, you should need that. Oh, you should need that. Nah, nah, nah. You're gonna eat random toast stew, really, bud? Yeah, that's exactly what he's gonna do. Ignorant, simply ignorant. Uh, so the next day, the friends all meet up and they're talking about what happened, and they're trying to burn the book, but it just won't burn you know that reminded me of hocus pocus because they tried to burn the book in hocus pocus and it wouldn't burn and like evil books don't burn you can't destroy them and i've noticed that in like a lot of movies that involve an evil book Mm. and there's now there's three or four of them that i know of (laughs) so uh, so they head to a local paper to look through old microfiche. Uh, they see a story about how Sarah hung herself and how the housekeeper and her daughter were fired because of voodoo. Voodoo? Voodoo. What's a microfiche? That is little teeny tiny. Okay, so we're going to age ourselves here. Oh my goodness. Film cameras. <laughs> Film li- cameras. You know when you get the little teeny tiny image of your picture. Okay. Like, you know, along with, along with the film. Yep. Yeah. It's that, but with newspapers oh. and old, like, documents and stuff. Okay. That's cool. Is, cool. That, is that why they're looking at it in the monitor? Yes. And okay. Yep. So that, it's a big magnifying just, glass. Like, I know they're young, but they can't really just... <laughs> I would have to have, like, 50,000 times zoom on there, but that's just me. I'm old. <laughs> well, you need that anyway. I know. You're blind. I know. <laughs> um. So... They're starting to see a new story getting written called The Red Spot. And they're like, the red spot, the red spot. Who do we know who has a red spot? And they're all like freaking out, thinking about what it could mean. Chuck thought it was him. And Chuck's like, spiders, (laughs) spiders. I was Spider-Man on Halloween. And they're like, buddy, no, literally. Your sister's been complaining about a spider bite on her face that is red. For a while now. Yeah. That thing, it was getting huge. It, every scene, it was getting bigger <laughs> and bigger. Uh, so at Ruth's school musical, she's getting a lot of uncomfortable attention about the bump on her face. And she decides to go handle it herself. So she goes to a, um, a bathroom by herself and she squeezes. And a little something comes out. and She tugs on it. It looked like a hair. It looked like a hair. She tugs on it, and thousands of tiny little spiders come flying out. Disgusting. Mm-hmm. Disgusting. Can't even imagine. Imagine having arachnophobia and watching that. I am very... I'm getting itchy. <laughs> I'm itching thinking about it. I do not like spiders. Uh, so the friends get there just in time to save her, but... You know, she's very traumatized and she's taken to a mental hospital for the foreseeable future. Uh, So later on, they go to visit an elderly Lulu Baptiste, who was the former housekeeper's daughter. She's not 
all the way there anymore, but she does tell them that Sarah isn't magical, that the power that she seems to have stems from her anger and her rage, which yes. is understandable and it's valid. That doesn't mean she needs to take it out on others. <laughs> well, wouldn't you? If you were angry because your parents locked you in a basement, wouldn't you be angry and start your own storybook and possibly make a few people disappear? I don't think so. Oh, okay. But I've never been in that situation, thankfully. <laughs> well, uh, there's always a first time for everything. <laughs> so they head to a hospital to find Sarah's medical records. Um, the woman at the front desk is like, yeah, I can't just give that to you, you tiny freaks. Which is understandable. Thank you for respecting HIPAA. Um, but they sneak in and try to find him on their own. Stell and Ramon go on to try to get the records. But Chuck is scared because the room that they're in is called the Red Room, which is what he's been having nightmares about. Yeah, the Red Room. Red Room. See, I would have thought the same thing. Like, if I was having dreams about a Red Room, uh -huh. and then we were going into a place that was literally called the Red Room, then I'd be a little bit freaked out, too. Oh, for sure. Have you ever had prophetic dreams before? Like, Things happen and then they come true. Yeah. I had one, but I don't remember it. But okay. I know I know I had one. My grandma used to have those all the time. I used to have very vivid dreams and I had them constantly. I had reoccurring dreams and I had lucid dreams. Those that's about it. Did you ever have sleep paralysis? No. That's good, me neither. <laughs> Let's try to keep it that way. I did I did though. I think I did, uh -huh. but it felt I. It's really hard to explain, like because I know sp sleep paralysis, like you're awake but you can't move. Yeah. But what I saw in my dream was a lady sitting next to me, mm -hmm. and I was laying down on my bed, and then I like woke up all of a sudden, and there was just like a misty figure sitting next to my bed, and they were looking at me. But I couldn't move, but I could see them. And then they just like walked out into the hallway and just like away and they faded away. And then I could move again. Yeah, I remember you telling me about that for the first time while we were sitting in your bed. <laughs> and you're like, it was right here. And I was like, oh my God, why am I here right now? But I never saw that person ever again. Which, you know, thank goodness for that. Um, so anyways, back to the story. Um, Chuck is scared fine whatever and he says he's gonna stay planted right where he is he's so paranoid he's like one of the most paranoid people in the world he's just goofy um so anyways he gets spooked about some orderlies and he decides to take off for a different part of the hospital <laughs> instead of just Buddy, staying put instead of just standing there i mean it's the 60s it's not like security's anything crazy if no. they were been like hey man what are you doing here oh i'm just waiting for something there's literally oh, okay, people cool. walking by him and like you could have seen him. They didn't say anything. Right. Like nobody's trying to stop you, buddy. <laughs> he just had really bad anxiety. Yeah. Which well, I understand. But at the same time, I'm like, if you could have just not done any of that. Um, so he takes off. Uh, meanwhile, Stella and Ramon find out that Sarah wasn't crazy. She had just tried to expose her family's secrets. Uh, they had a paper mill, and it was poisoning the town's water supply with mercury. 
They'd been the ones to kill the town's children, not her. Uh, Sarah's brother was a doctor who kept her locked up there against her will until he could get her to confess. Confess. Uh, he used electroshock therapy to treat her, you know, in his own sick way. Uh, so you're, you're listening to this, and it's very, I wouldn't say it's very, very graphic, but it was, it was graphic enough. It was upsetting. It was like you hear that poor person like screaming because uh-huh. you're getting sh- like electroshock therapy. Yeah. Like, honestly, I'm really glad the way modern medicine has came, come along this way, all this way. Because electroshock therapy was, like, that was the worst type of treatment you could have gotten. Like, besides a lobotomy, mm. like, having having to have, like, electricity go through your body just to try and, like, reset your brain. Yeah. That's sickening. You know? Imagine somebody going through that. I mean, not that we're much better off now but we're not doing that i guess which is good but it's just ugh, the way we treat the mentally ill is just horrible um but suddenly sarah starts telling a story about her bedroom and a guy named chuck Stella and ramon look at each other and they're like oh we need to go find him so they take off but it's too late so Chuck's running through the hospital trying to get somewhere where he feels content and he runs up onto the roof of the hospital and there's a bunch of orderlies there and they're like, hey man, do you know where you're going? And he's like, I'm not talking to you, I'm anxious. And he walks right into this building and it's like blank. There's nothing, there's nobody. Completely alone. And the lights go red. (laughs) And he realizes, he's like, Oh, oh, this is, this is bad. And so he's like trying to make his way out and he sees her. Yay, the pale lady. (laughs) Who is just this horrific lump. She's like the girl from the ring, but, and you know, the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man had a baby. (laughs) It's horrifying. She's just... She she wanted her boyfriend. (laughs) He's very creepy. So it's like everywhere he tries to go in the hospital or in every wing he tries to run down, there she is. And she's she doesn't move fast, but every time he turns around, she's getting a little bit closer. A little bit closer. Uh he's running around trying to get out. Finally he has nowhere else to go and she pulls him into a Big hug, and she absorbs him. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Stella and Ramon get found by a hospital employee, and they're taken to the police station where they're getting questioned, and then it comes out that Ramon is a draft dodger. Yes. Uh, so they get locked up, and Ramon tells Stella about how his brother had gone off to Vietnam and had been killed. The cops like, yeah, 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 yeah. Because he's a dick bag. Uh, and a racist. And a racist. I don't feel sorry for him. <laughs> so the cop starts to read the book when the lights go out. And the dog starts to growl at the fireplace that every police station has apparently. Which is normal. You know, fireplace. Yes. Fireplaces are awesome. 
I love fireplaces. It's where you want to put the evidence that you don't want to use it in court. That's You're right. Like, We're just going to put that in there. Thank you. If you want to let somebody go and tell them that you're free to go. Don't worry about it. I'm going to cover you. Just I'll just throw this right in here. So Stella starts, she's like freaking out. She's like, uh, could you please tell us who the next story is about? And the cop's like, yeah, shush, be quiet. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And she's like, if you could please, hi, excuse me, if you could please just tell us who the next story is about, we'd really appreciate it. He's like, mur, 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 I'll get to you when I get to you. <laughs> and she's like freaking out. Um, turns out the next story is about Ramon and he knows this because the story is one that his brother used to tell him around the campfire. So body parts begin to rain down from the chimney and the cop shoots at it as you do. Uh, but the body assembles itself and kills the cop and the monster's trying to get to Ramon. Stella's desperately trying to get the keys uh, she gets them out and they run and they realize that they have to split up again. Uh, so Ramon gets in a cop car and he's like, ah, this is good. So he's driving off and immediately the monster's on him. Immediately. Right Honestly, there. Where are the other cops? Like it was just the one. I know. So they walk into the police station and it's packed and they're like, okay, we're leaving for the night. I get it's a small town, but what the hell? Right. <laughs> Where is everybody? What if somebody needed an emergency? Right. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, so Stella disappears. She's trying to get to the house. Uh, Ramon's like, I know what I need to do. So he crashes the cop car and um, he pins the monster between the car and a truck that's um, going down the street. Uh, so he's pins it there just long enough to make his escape. Uh, so at the house, Stella's begging Sarah to make the story stop. Uh, suddenly, the house looks like it did back in its glory days. Uh, well, back in modern times, Ramon's getting to the house and he tries to hide from the monster. Can't find Stella, but he finds the book and he decides to take that with him. Uh, so in the former house, Stella's mistaken for Sarah and gets thrown into the basement where she sees Sarah's spirit. Uh, she promises Sarah that she will tell her story if the spirit stops hurting her loved ones. Um, Sarah isn't sure about that at first, and she's like doing her whole spooky ghost lady thing. Um, and then uh, Stella hears Ramon saying, you have to tell her the truth. You have to tell her the truth. And she's like, you know what? You're right. So she's like, I will tell your story. I will clear your name. I will do whatever it takes. You gotta stop taking it out on other people. And then Sarah gives her a pen. To- and then it's like, here you go, stab yourself and start writing my story. Right. Great thing. <laughs> uh, so she starts writing about her it, um, Sarah's being innocent, and back in their time, the mo- the monster vanishes. So Estelle comes back to the real world and keeps her promise to write about um, Sarah and what her family had done to her. Uh, Ramon leaves for the war and he and Stella promise to write every day to each other. Stella, Ruth, and Stella's dad drive off and Stella vows to help find her friends with the book. As she should. As she should. Doing her best to help her (laughs) friends. Uh, There was a sequel announced as of April 23rd, 2020. So hopefully we'll get to review that for y'all soon enough. 
I wonder when it comes out. Probably not for a few years yet. Maybe we'll still be doing this. I don't know. Well, maybe. We'll see what happens. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> so, yes. scare rating. I'm going to give it a uh, seven and a half. Seven and a half? Seven and a half. I gave it a four. A four? four. Out of, a four out of ten. You're crazy. Well, because like I wasn't, I wasn't like scared. I was just a little freaked out. And like for me, being freaked out is okay. I like being freaked out in movies because then it keeps it interesting. But like I wasn't like jumping out of my seat scared or anything. Whatever, you're brave. <laughs> uh so what do you think of overall rating? I gave it an eight. It was a good movie. I'd say eight too. Maybe it's the nostalgia. Maybe it's just I don't know. I, I enjoyed it, it. I enjoyed this movie. It was I really thought it good. was fun. One thing that like it like it foreshadowed a lot. Yeah, there was a lot of <laughs> foreshadowing. If you um you know, if you think about it, you're like, Oh hey, and then there's that and then there's that. Yeah. And there's that. It's just like the little subtle things too. Yeah, it's funny. Uh would you make it out alive? No. <laughs> no, me neither. I you know what? I feel like in a lot of these stories, would you make it out alive? You know what? I'd try my I I'd try, but there's it's fate, really. Then again, I'd probably have a little bit more sense than Augie. You know, instead of running into my room, I'd probably run away into the darkness outside. Well, you know. <clears throat> but no. Like if you're getting written into a story, it's already written. Right. And you're going to die. Would you watch it again? Yes. Same. <laughs> um, scaredy cat approved? Yes. I. To a point. There were jump scares. There were creepy things. But I do think um, overall it was a decent movie and you won't be too terribly freaked out. I hope. No. No, it was, it was more like it, 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 it had that ambiance kind of fear to it. Yeah. So I think scaredy cat approved. I think you'll be, I think you'll be okay. I was all right. I think you'll be fine. <laughs> and final thoughts. Um, you know, I really thought that maybe this would have worked better as like, you know, a Netflix series be like put out two um, stories per episode and mm-hmm. you know really dive into the stories um i was yeah every time anytime there's like oh hey let's take all these stories and combine it into one i feel like there's always something that's just uh you know lacking um well either way like the way they put like all the stories in it and the way yeah. they kind of did some of the stories it was it did it really well because like you said like it, they were just regular stories in yeah. the books and but then they tied it together with the whole bellows family thing and that was really good the way mm-hmm. they did that i thought it would have been cool to do like a princess bride style movie where it was like you know totally could have been halloween night that's fine and you know there's some kids and like mom dad tell us some scary stories and then they bust out with the scary stories books mm-hmm. And then you get to hear the stories that way. I thought that's kind of how I imagined it was going to be. Um, that kind of just reminds me of Tales from the Crypt. Have you ever watched that? No, I didn't see that. You should. Okay. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I'm not saying I was disappointed. I thought it worked out just fine. How the movie, how they had it. Yeah. It was, um, it's just, it was not what I was expecting. It wasn't what I was expecting either. Like I was expecting a lot more jump scares. Oh yeah. And I was expecting a lot more like in your face, like scary stuff just because of the way the title is scary stories. It's out in the dark. But like, I was also expecting for there to be more storytelling yeah. than, you know, what we actually got. That's what I was expecting. So like they were telling, like, like you said, like, um, the princess bride type deal, like yeah. where they were telling the story and then like seeing it happen or like, what am I trying to say? Like, yeah, just basically, like, you're hearing the stories, and, like, mm-hmm. you, and like I would have liked to hear, like, the Wendigo story that, that was there that they yeah, showed yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. Like, that would have been cool, you know? So, but either way, it was still done really good, and I, I agree. I still gave it an 8 out of 10. Um, And if, you know, you're not the reading type or you just don't want to spend money on books, uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Pod is an excellent podcast they're going through all of the stories they're also extremely funny people Anna and andrew um definitely check them out if you want to get more into the stories and um explore a little bit more of that sounds good <laughs> well i think that's gonna wrap it up for us tonight yeah <laughs> Remember, you can always like give us suggestions on movies we should watch, or you can tell us what are your thoughts on each podcast. And you can reach us at our Twitter and Instagram at Horror Hangtime. And you can also email us at horrorhangtime at gmail.com. And if you're on the Apple podcast, please rate and review. Give us five stars. <laughs> if you're not going to give us five stars, please keep that to yourself. We don't need that negativity. Negativity. Negativities. <laughs> you said titties I again. Know. Oh no. It's I'm leaving that in there. <laughs> well, anyway, that's it for us. We'll see you in the next one. Bye.